Welcome to the realm of magic and mystery, classic horror and sci-fi. You are now entering the House of the Unusual podcast with your hosts, Eddie and Joe. Welcome all you cool ghouls and friendly fiends to the House of the Unusual podcast. Our good buddy Joe Pavlansky couldn't be here tonight. Eddie has more about that in a moment. So it's just myself, my wonderful wife, Sherry, and Eddie. How's everybody doing tonight? Everybody's good. How about you, Sherry? How are you doing? Hey, we're doing good. Yeah, well, uh, today's a little bit different, guys. We're going to be doing what we call a best of the best. Uh, Joe has been uh, at it since he started building the robot, the Houdini robot. He has not been able to leave his room. <laughs> he stole his wife that not to bother him. He's been there, has not ate or had anything at all oh. in the last week and a half. So, uh other than that, <laughs> uh, today, uh, Chuck, uh, I guess you have a new invention that came out. You have recreated Antonio Diavello from the famous Robert Houdin. Can you want to tell us a little bit about it? Yeah. Oh, man, I'll tell you what. It was, It was. I guess, maybe three months' work, and uh, we had a, I had a rough time putting that thing together. I wasn't even sure if it was going to work. And you know what? To all the listeners out there, be sure to check this video out. Eddie just uploaded it. And we had a blast filming it. Sherry, what do you have to say about that? Oh, my gosh. We had a blast filming it. I think you guys are going to really enjoy it just as much as um, we <laughs> we did filming it. Um, but also, like we said, it was going to debut uh, first here on House of the Unusual under the videos. Yay. Hey, and one more quick thing. I just wanted to give a, a shout out to our friend, uh, 1878 Press. Uh, stupid comics that's spelled s-t-o-o-p-i-d and join us on house of the unusual.com we have a great forum and there's podcasts even ones that are from uh, previous times they're all listed in queue and uh, you know what drop us a line if you folks you know like have a particular idea or something you want us to talk about you know what tell us you know because our podcast is your podcast right Right. That, is, that is correct. And now, Chuck, uh, one question I wanted to ask you. You said that you are, you're coming up in an upcoming article. Uh, yes. Name of the yes. magazine? Yes, that is correct. I was just talking to Vanish Magazine, which is a really cool magazine. It's an online magazine, but you can also get a physical copy of it. It's You know what? It's a beautiful, beautiful magazine. They put me in there, I guess, about a year and a half ago for my Inverti collection. But now what they want to do is, uh, you know, is highlight the things that I build. So w- one of the things will be the Antonio Diavolo, the pastry shelf. I'll have some different pictures of it and things throughout the, and they just want me to write a 1500 word, uh, you know, like a, like a type of an article that explain how I got into magic and how I got into building magic and so forth. So, Hey, it's a lot of fun. I think it'll be, it'll be great. Yeah. You know, one of the things I also been doing is, um, I have been moving my storage now for several weeks and, and organizing and consolidating. And I've actually spent almost nine hours today doing that. Oh, uh, one of the things that I'm getting ready to do is uh, I'm going to be having for all the people that love the novelties of Johnson Smith and Honor House and all the classics, including I believe Todd is going to take some time to give us the history of the sea monkeys again. What's up with the sea monkeys? He has not been in our show uh, for some time now, uh, he's going to be on pretty soon. I was talking to him earlier. Uh, I'm going to be coming up with a thing called Eddie's Deep Dives. Nice. And I am going to, I mean, I have no choice. I have to start reducing my collection. <laughs> oh my and goodness. I'm going to let go of some really rare stuff, man. Oh, no. Those people that really want those novelties from the comic book era, here might be a chance for you to get them. Um, so anyway, this show is a little different today. As you know, our host, uh, Joe, is not on. Uh, he had to be taking care of some stuff. And like I said, that robot, he'll eventually, uh, he'll be finished with it by next week, I hope. <laughs> uh, but um, having said that, we're going to play what, because of popular demand, Chuck, we're going to bring back, and, and you know, a lot of people have been asking about the Sarah Karloff interview. Yes. And we're going to play that interview again today. It was a phenomenal thing and had quite a few hits when it came on. So we're going to play it on. And uh, having said that, um, anything you want to say, Chuck, before we let it go? Hey, you know what? Who who does not love Boris Karloff? I mean, he he is my absolute favorite. 
you know, I'm a big fan of his. And it was a, it was a thrill. It was an actual honor to speak to Sarah Karloff. I got to, yeah, nice. yeah, I, I got to. So, yeah, I think this is a good move. Yeah, whoever yep. missed, uh, missed it, they can uh, listen to it tonight. Yeah, go ahead, Eddie. Let it go. I'm Sarah Karloff. <laughs> I'm the only child of um, 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 movie legend uh, Boris Karloff. Um, and I think that speaks for itself. My father was an absolutely wonderful human being. Um, absolutely the antithesis of the roles he played. He was adored by everybody who knew him personally and respected by everybody who worked with him. Um, he was one of the founding members of the Screen Actors Guild. His card number was number nine. He was passionate about that work as he was about his profession. He felt he was one of the luckiest people in the world to be able to earn his living doing something he loved and then be jolly well paid for it. Um, he just was a lovely man with a wonderful sense of humor, a very kind soul, and um, a very large talent. Awesome. Awesome. Very well said. And and Sarah, I also understand that November 23rd, uh, yesterday, as we're recording, was your birthday, so... It Happy was his birthday. also. What's that? It was his birthday also. I was born on my father's uh, 51st birthday. I was the most expensive birthday present he ever got. <laughs> oh, wow. Happy birthday. <laughs> well, happy birthday. And I'm going to I'm gonna ask uh, Eddie and Chuck to join in with me at singing happy birthday. Oh, please don't. So, <laughs> happy birthday <laughs> to you. Happy oh, birthday right. to you. Happy birthday, dear Sarah. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Thank you, but don't give up your day jobs. <laughs> You're saying I wouldn't make a good singer. Oh, man. Ever. It, was little, it was a little off key. It was a little off key. I could tell. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know what? I may not be a good singer, but we do have a good magician with us, and his name is Chuck Caputo. You guys all know him out there, so... Chuck, welcome to the podcast once again, and how's everything going over there in Pittsburgh, PA? All right, Joe, cold. It's It's been very cold here, and I got about a week off. I've been doing some things around the house. Then my Christmas shows start up, uh, but I'd like to wish everybody out there, all of our viewing audience, our listening audience, a very uh, happy Thanksgiving. I, I, I hope everything goes well, and it's a pleasure to talk to you, Sarah. I'm a huge fan of your father. I mean, he was one of a kind. I mean, I'm a big fan of his movies, all the way up to The Grinch That Stole Christmas. Oh, right? yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, you, you can't tell, but I smile broadly whenever anybody says anything about The Grinch. My father was very, very um, modest, and he never really brought his work home. He never talked about his work. But one, one night the phone rang, and I have two sons, and they were little guys at the time. And he said, um, I've, I've, I've done something. Um, I think it's pretty good. And I thought maybe you and the boys would like to, maybe if, if you can, maybe if you'd like to, and they sort of hedging about, um, <laughs> sit down and watch it tonight. It's going to be on the telly. And, um, uh, and then he said, well, it's called um, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Pretty good. Yeah, I guess he won a Grammy for it, um, for best animated work. And um, as a family, we are so proud of it, and we just love it. And they always play it way too early in the season, and I always miss it. And my Christmas present to myself last year was this life-size, over-life-size Grinch that you plug in, and he wiggles his <laughs> hips. And he wiggles his neck, <laughs> and then he sings some of, some of the lines from the Grinch, and that was my present to myself last year. Oh, I no, just love awesome. the Grinch. So oh, Chuck, okay. I must love you too. <laughs> that that is definitely a uh, definitely a Christmas classic, and I'm sure yeah. everybody out there enjoys it. Uh, one person that's not a Grinch here is definitely Eddie Guevara, who. Uh, who set up this this interview? So Eddie, what's what's going on over at House of the Unusual? How's everything been? And welcome back from Florida. 
everything's been really good. And I had the opportunity to go to Coral Castle in Florida, which uh, according Yay. to some, is phenomenal. You have a 98-pound guy lifting boulders that are 28 tons. <laughs> I thought that was a, a pretty good, um, uh, you know, overall, although I had a deluge of water come down because it was raining like I've never seen before. Uh, so we took the tour, me and my mom, and it was pouring and, and the rain was just not fun. But um, it's kind of funny when, uh, you know, Sarah right now said about that Grinch statue because I bought it when it came out, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's wonderful, isn't it? Yeah. Fun? Oh, it's it's funny. Um, I got it. And the reason I got it is because I usually like buying all the animated stuff like the Santa Claus, the especially in Halloween. I used to have a little... Uh, way of doing about it. I used to go about it before that a Walmart would let you put things on layaway. So I would go out and put about three or four of the life-size uh, skeletons or whatever it was. And there was one it looked like an Uncle Fester. <laughs> it was, you know, seven feet tall, whatever, six feet tall. And I would put them on layaway and then I picked them up 10 days after Christmas, I mean, after Halloween, and I got 75% off all of them. Oh. <laughs> they caught on to that. They, they didn't do that too much often. But I have I have so many of those life size. I got about at least 15, 20 of them. Wow. And I have a, an actual uh, one that's very hard to come by now, which is it was done by Jemmy Works. And it's actually uh, Sarah. It's the Boris really? Karloff. Uh, six foot, yeah. Oh, it's a six wow. foot Frankenstein. Uh, you could see it sometimes. In fact, I think, uh, if I'm correct, uh, Joe, when you went to that show that you went to, Monster, what is it called? Monster Palooza. Monster Bash. Oh, Monster, yeah, Monster Bash. Bash. Yeah, Monster Bash. They had one. The one you took a picture of, that's the one I have. Oh, nice. Wow. Yeah. It, cool. it was can, someone, can someone email me a copy of that? Sure. Joe, don't you have it on your thing? Yeah, I'll have to find it on my phone. I'll, I'll send it over to you, Eddie, and you could email it to her. Okay. Yeah. Now, now, now speaking now speaking of shows, Sarah, you do a lot of a lot of shows and all that. And Eddie sent me some pictures from I believe that was Chiller Theater. Is that is that where you guys were, Eddie, when you sent those pictures? Yes, and and I was really shockingly surprised how beautiful Sarah came out in that picture. Sarah, yeah, that's, that's, that's one of your best. That's a matter of ever. opinion. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, everybody, you know, it's funny because it, it came out really, really nice. And I was going to, you know, upload it to my Facebook because, um, you know, Sarah, you look like super young on that thing. And it, it Watch made your you mouth. Uh, I mean, I'm not super young, but in the picture. <laughs> 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 but I'm telling you. Older was... than dirt. <laughs> I'm the oldest one here. Come on. Yeah. How old are you? <laughs> old enough. How old are you? How old are you, Joe? Tell her. 41. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're the oldest. I'm the oldest one here. Yeah, definitely Ooh. the oldest. Sarah Sarah just turned, what, 25 yesterday? So, yeah, like 24. Times three and a half. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need... Can we change the subject? Yeah, <laughs> of course. Okay, Eddie, Eddie yeah. I want to know about the House of the Unusual. I know nothing about it. The house oh, yeah, you're going to get him started. Oh, your God. time. <laughs> But no, I'd like to know about it sometime. So well, you he, have he my email, Sarah Karloof at <laughs> karloff.com. And yeah. send me something. Send me some information on it, would you please? Of course I will. In fact, that it was kind of funny because back when I first started, Sarah, the House of the Unusual was when I first, I think, met you about what, 15, 20 years ago, going to Chiller. And um, one of the things is that I always did it as a hobby, but then me and Joe about a year ago, a year and a half actually, we're actually on the second season. We've done a total, if I'm correct, 76 episodes of this podcast. And Joe had been a customer of mine for 20 years. And no, he was about, like, yeah, seems like it. it <laughs> no, I, I think it was because I have, I have emails that go back to like 2010, 2000. And the thing with uh, is that Joe would always tell me every year, hey, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> so I reached out to him one day when I found out he was a writer for Scary Monsters and for a couple of magazines. You know what, Joe, why don't we start? And Joe said, yeah, sure. And then Chuck was in the hospital at the time. I, I forgot what you were doing, Chuck. Um, and you said to me. <laughs> that, no, no, well, no, no, he, he was there with, with, uh, with his wife, I think, at the time. But the thing is, Chuck looked at 
was looking at the internet and he came across uh, one of my ads that I was selling a thing called the Great Leon Miniature Haunted House, which is a book. And he goes, hey, Eddie, I'm a magician and blah, blah, blah. And the next is history. Uh, ever since I met him, me and Chuck joined forces with Joe here and Todd. And we've kind of made the House of the Unusual into something that's really more than a hobby. And it's getting better each time. And we're, we are now about 6,234 listeners a week, I think. And, you know, it's getting to be very, very popular. Now, my center of the universe, believe it or not, is Frankenstein. I have all these collectibles here of, of the Frankenstein. And, and my very first, uh, coming from Cuba at the age of four, back in 1968, I actually ordered, ordered the... Um, <laughs> I ordered the, what do you call it? The uh, seven foot Frankenstein monster from the comic <laughs> yeah. books. And I had that up on my wall. And that was my, my, my favorite. Here's what turned me into, uh, the, you know, the monster altogether was the Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein when I oh, met. Oh, yeah. My dad wasn't in that, you know. I You know, Sarah, that was a question I wanted to ask you. I know, and this is kind of funny the way it, it, it happened, though. I remember when uh, originally Dracula came out in 1929, I think it was. 31. 31, okay, 1931. And Bela Lugosi, which I thought was kind of funny the way he... When they asked him to play the monster, he didn't want to play the monster. So he went to the doctor. He gets himself some type of, uh, of a prescription saying that his back was bad. And he didn't take it. So they took your father, who was just coming into acting, and that actually made it that there was never a time, I think, that you, your father always made double the money that Bella did all his life due to the fact that your father was so great on it. And was that a similar thing that happened to your dad when he turned down the Abbott and Costello uh, proposition to play the monster in, in the show? Because I think he thought it was going to be funny. He didn't want to portray a serious monster in, in, a, in a comedy. And then later on, he went on to take the roles of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and 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 you know meets the mummy Abbott and Costello meet the mummy. It was there similarity in that stuff. Do you remember? Do you ever mention anything to you about that? Well, let's start by saying, no matter how old you may think I am, I was not born when Frankenstein was made. Okay, <laughs> then we'll move on from there and say that my father actually made the decision himself. Well, we'll back up a bit. Bela was when um, uh, Bela was offered the role of Frankenstein first uh, before my father was ever considered. And he turned it down because it was not a speaking role and because there was so much makeup covering his uh, covering the creature. And um, that was when the first uh, director, uh, can't, uh, name escapes me at the moment, I know it, but I can't think of it, was um, going to direct the film. And um, he turned it down for those two reasons. Then uh, James Whale was um, um, uh, selected as the second director. And it was, um, and Bela would, had already turned down the role. And they were looking for some, they'd already started shooting the film without anybody cast as the role of the monster. And I, I, that's, an, that's incredible um, on its own. But they had shot quite a bit of the film already. And um, one day, um, my father was in the commissary at Universal having done a criminal code and um, James Whale um, invited him over to have a cup of coffee. And my father was totally, totally an unknown actor at that point. He was coming up in the ranks, but he was not a known actor at all, as Bela was already a known actor. And um, um, Frankenstein was actually my father's 81st film. And uh, as my father said, nobody saw the first 80. But <laughs> James Whale, James Whale asked my father if he would consider uh, or be interested in testing for the part. And of course, at that point in my father's career, um, and he was 10 years into his being in Hollywood, he would have jumped at any part, testing or not. And so he worked with uh, with um, um, 
Jack Pierce for over uh, almost two weeks. And uh, Jack was the head of the makeup department at that point at Universal. And he worked for about two weeks with Jack Pierce on on the makeup. And Jack uh, um, had done a lot of studying about what a body would look like um, if they implanted uh, or, or put in a brain, et cetera, et cetera. And so it was, it was new eyes on the part with James Whale as director and new eyes on the makeup with Jack Pierce. And so my, my father was delighted to have any employment at that time. And um, when they completed the makeup, they did the test roll and thank goodness for my father's portrayal which is really quite empathetic, um, he was cast in the role. You may notice that at the beginning of the film, it's a question mark uh, for the, as who portrayed the monster. At the end of the role, uh, the film, in the rolling credits at the end, it does give my father's name. My father was not even invited to the premiere wow. because... Oh, wow. <clears throat> Colin Clive, Dr. Frankenstein, was anticipated as being the star of the film, not the, not the monster. And um, it, 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 nobody knew whether or not this film, nobody anticipated this film being the huge success that it was. So my father went home and went to bed. I mean, he hadn't even seen the full film for, oh, I don't know, it had been released and been a smashed hit until uh, for a month, probably. And he and my mother went to San Francisco to visit a, a college friend of my mother's at UC Berkeley. And it happened to be playing up in Berkeley. And so they sort of snuck in to see it with this friend of my mother's. And the scene in which, and my father had never seen the whole, entire film. And so they, they, the scene in which my father turns around in, you know, the opening shot of my father in the makeup and he turns around in, in, the, in the doorway. And my mother's name was Dorothy and her nickname was Dot. And at that point, my mother's friend yells out in this theater, oh my God, Dot. How could you live with such a creature? <laughs> and my father didn't even see the rest of the film that time. So it was long down the line before he ever got to see the film himself. But it was an overnight success. And after 20 years in the business, 10 years in British Columbia and repertory theater, and 10 years in Hollywood, after 20 years, he was an overnight star. Wow. You know, well, he, he really had to put Bela, in his, the, the, the part of what you said about Bela is is not accurate. Um, he didn't at that point, he didn't go and get pills, etc. He didn't. He just decided he it was a non-speaking part. And he was a gifted, accomplished, well-known actor in Hungary, Hungary before he ever came over to this country. And then he had this. Um, he starred on the stage in Dracula, and he was the star um, on, in the film. And he just didn't want to do a non-speaking role, and he didn't want to be all covered up with his makeup. Sure. So he turned it down. You know, one of the things that I was going to... Well, that's because I'm sure over time, people, in order to make good writing or attractive writing, they bring in that, that you know, there was kind of like an issue. Uh, between... You know, that's a very frequently asked question, was there this rivalry or this, this, you know, they made seven films together, and I have several interviews with my father in which that's one of the most frequently asked questions, if there was some rivalry or what was your real relationship with, with Bela, and my father's answer always is he had great respect for Bela because he was a a very accomplished actor, a very great actor. Um, and uh, they worked together very compatibly. 
on many films, the the only uh, problem was that Bela did not bother to learn uh, the language in which he earned his bread and butter. And yeah. he was not as fluent in English as he might have been to branch out into some of the roles that he, that he played. Later portrayed you, or later was offered. You know, you know, one of the things when you said that is kind of funny because one of the, you know, growing up and stuff, I realized that both what your father and Bela did, it, it's, it's amazing. First of all, when your father walks through the doorway, that's probably the iconic best Frankenstein photo ever. Mm-hmm. And um, another one is in the first, yeah, in the first, the first, which gives it, which gives it a lead on all judgments, right? Exactly. And then the other thing that was kind of funny too is that with Bela, every time you hear a vampire, no matter what it is or what character cartoon, they speak like Bela. And he comes in from the, you know, uh, Sesame Street with the uh, count. Oh, yeah. uh, and it's kind of funny because if you look at the count sideways, it looks like Bela. So they definitely made it after him. Now, I, well, you I know what, Eddie, you know, what's funny is that you, you talk about, you know, everyone imitating Bela. I, I think, too, a lot of people and, and I'm thinking back to, you know, when I was young and was imitating the Frankenstein monster, I think we all kind of imitated the Boris Karloff just going rah, rah, yeah, absolutely. you know they going did. after people and, and it's it almost seems like if you ask somebody nowadays you know to do a Frankenstein or if you're at a show and somebody you know has a mask on or a costume you know they still do that that rah, rah, mm-hmm, that goes mm-hmm. back to the original movie that's and right not only I, that. I cannot tell that? you how many people when I was in college would come up to me straight armed I love that. I love the makeup. I tell you what, the makeup was fantastic. And if you read the original book from Mary Shelley, I mean, there was never, I don't think there was a uh, description of what Frankenstein would have looked like. So, so that was their, their conception of it. And that's the one that stuck. I mean, and the, that was that, James Whale's a study of anatomy. Mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. what somebody the flathead you'd have to open up the top of the skull i mean it's pretty gory yeah but you open up the top of the skull and you put the brain in and then it'd be a flat top wow yeah but, but also also Speaking. remember this i was going to say also remember this too it was called the monster somehow boris Karloff associated i mean his, the name became with him as frankenstein but they called it the monster Frankenstein right. was the doctor that created That's it. That's right. That's true. So yeah. he he got the name along with it too and just that, took over the whole fame. <laughs> now, now speaking of 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 makeup, Sarah, is this story true and I'm you wouldn't remember it at the time, but no, I'm it's sure you... not because I know what you're going to ask, but go ahead. <laughs> Which one is it? <clears throat> All right, so supposedly during filming of Son of Frankenstein that your father had to leave the set while in full makeup to me- and went to the hospital looking like that while you were born. Do you believe that? You know what? I, I could actually see it happening. You know, a father's first yeah. child being born and them saying, you know what? I'm getting to the hospital no matter what and walking in there in full makeup. <laughs> Do you think they'd let him off the set in that makeup one? What, Taxi driver would give him a ride on a corner, <laughs> two and Who three. wouldn't give Frankenstein one ride? The nurse would have dropped the baby. <laughs> so no. that story is incorrect. No. Then couldn't well, be more so. My father was climbing out of the pit in that scene, thinking the 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 um, cameras were still running. And when he got to the top of the pit and the top of the ladder at a table further back from the edge of the pit, they were having a birthday party for him Uh. with cupcakes and baby shoes. Okay. Because I'd just been born. Wow. Then he changed his clothes and went to the hospital. They cut shooting for the day. He changed. And there's a, there's a fairly well-known picture, maybe not as well-known as the story, the, the, the opposite story, but then there's a fairly well-known picture of my father smartly dressed 
standing over the nurse at the hospital looking at the nurse holding the newborn baby. Well, that's a that's a lot better than I think yes. Frankenstein's monster running in a hospital. I can only imagine being I mean, really the nurse would have dropped the baby. <laughs> you, you, you know you know what's funny about that too, you when you said the hands stretch out and the, all this stuff and the Frankenstein, even Bugs Bunny, the Bugs Bunny episodes where they have I think it's Donald, I mean Daffy Duck, he's uh I don't know, he's a detective or something, and then the monsters start coming out, and there's a Frankenstein monster with the hands. Yeah. Yeah. like they just copied that they over copied and it. over but, but could you imagine know? being at the hospital with like a serious illness thinking you're gonna die or something and you're laying <laughs> in your bed and all of a right. sudden here comes frankenstein's monster walking down the hallway you're... <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. well we started out this conversation about Abbott and costello meets frankenstein at the end of the son of frankenstein my father my father, well, actually at the end of the making of Frankenstein, my father's life had been so, so pivotably, pivotous, it had made such a pivotal difference in my father's life, both personally and professionally, that he really felt a, an, um, such a debt to that film because he'd been in the business at that time, as I'd said before, for 10 years in, Brit in British Columbia and 10 years in Hollywood, he felt such a debt of gratitude to that role. So by the time he had finished, <coughs> excuse me, Son of Frankenstein, he felt that, I'm gonna cough again, excuse me. <coughs> he felt that the that role had reached its logical conclusion. The scripts had reached a point where, and the character had reached such a point that anything further would be making a mockery of the, the character, the monster, and the scripts would do nothing but go downhill. And so, um, I, in, in my opinion, uh, and, and this is not just to agree with my father, he was correct. And so when Abbott and Costello meet, Frank, meet Frankenstein came up, he declined to do it. He worked with them on other films, other projects, but not on that one. And he never played the role of Frankenstein again, except in Route 66 with... Um, um, uh, Lon Chaney, and um, I'm not sure that Bela was in it. I'm not sure Bela was still alive, but he did play that um, on Route 66 one time. But he never played Frankenstein again. You know, he would play what, the doctor or some other role in a Frankenstein film, but he never played that that role again. So what was his opinion that, on the uh, what was his opinion on the movie? Did he enjoy the movie, or did he even did he even which you know, watch it? Uh, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. I don't know if he saw it or not. Um, he didn't talk about other um, films. He didn't talk about actors. He didn't talk about his own work. So I really have no idea if he saw the film. So well, he really he really didn't talk anything about work when he came home. It was kind of like, yeah. you know, he almost had just two two lives, his stage life and then his personal life. Well, he was so different from the roles he played. I mean, my father was the gentlest of gentlemen. He was a, he was an English gentleman. His passions were the game of cricket which couldn't be more Brit British. <laughs> he loved animals. At one time, he and my mother had 22 dogs in Beverly Hills. Oh, that would be heaven. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, he loved gardening. There are photographs of him with a top hat on and his wickies, which are shorts and no shirt on. I mean, adored gardening. Um, he just was... So different a human being from the roles he played. Wow, it's amazing. And, and, and yet he was so compassionate uh, and so passionate about 
his work with the Screen Actors Guild. He was one of the 12 founding members. Um, and he never talked about that. You, you uh, know, Sarah, say, uh, when you never talked, I remember long, long time ago, me and you were speaking one time, and you mentioned the thing that your father never collected his career. Remember that? Oh, don't I wish he'd collected his posters? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, well, come on. Now, you know, now, now Sarah, what collected his career? Now, Sarah, what, what, now he never talked about any of that, you know, at, at home or anything. And you could have, you know, after his passing, you could have very well have, you know, not had any dealings with it or just, you know, at a minimum, <laughs> but you seem to be very involved. What actually, what was the thing that really got you involved with your, your father's work? <laughs> I was invited to, I had met Forrest Ackerman. Well, he had met me. And um, so um, <laughs> I went to Forrest's house one day with my <laughs> kids because it was something I was showing my kids. I went to the ladies' room and closed the door, and there was my father staring right at me. <laughs> I was really out of my zone. But a few years later, um, I was invited to the. Um, uh, I was invited to the famous monsters of Filmland reincarnation or whatever it was called that was held back east in in maryland right right outside of washington and um i'd never heard of these conventions or anything and bela lugosi jr was going and ron cheney was going and um um wonderful dwight fry jr was going oh I miss him so. And so I thought, you know, I was curious about what the other guys looked like. And I was the only girl person in the group. A girl, yeah, well, female in the group. And so I asked my husband if we could we should go to this. And yeah, we'll go to it. Why not? And uh, it was held when it was beautiful colors back east. And so we went to it, and we were like the children of the night. I mean, we couldn't move five feet without the fans going berserk. I've That's never awesome. signed. It was like paying my bills for a year at one time. <laughs> I've never signed so many things in my entire life. And somebody asked me if I'd been down to the dealer's room. And I, honest to goodness, thought they were playing poker. <laughs> I had no idea what was going on. That was my introduction to fandom. Absolutely my introduction to fandom. And it was over, actually it was Memorial Day weekend. And so at the Capitol, they were having a wonderful um uh, band, bands playing, you know, patriotic songs. And and by that Saturday night or Sunday, it, we were so exhausted from being famous. We'd had our 15 minutes of fame. None of us were used to it. That we decided we'd take a picnic to this. And so we... But how are you going to take a picnic from a hotel? So I ordered room service. And, oh, God, sandwiches and stuff. And we bought a couple of bottles of champagne. And we, I mean, after all, there were four of us or five of us or six of us. And, but how are we going to get it from here to there? Well, we took the bedspreads off. And we used Dwight's laundry bag for some of it. And we had, I mean, they brought it all beautifully to the, to our, my hotel room. And we had glasses and we had silverware and we had plates. We had all this jingly jangly stuff. And we packed, we packed it up in our bedspreads and our laundry bags. And then we figured, 
oh, we have to get through the lobby and out the front door. How are we ever going to do this without being descended upon? So we did it individually. And we took all this stuff out. We made it to the concert on, on the Capitol lawn. And we spread all this out. Now, you have to understand, we haven't had five minutes to ourselves in two days without being asked to, to, to sign something. We spread all this out. And there are all these people around us. And we realized after 10 minutes, nobody had asked us to sign anything. And we thought, what's wrong with this picture? Don't they know who we are? <laughs> we were crushed. But we enjoyed our time away from being <laughs> famous. And we went back to the hotel and we were famous again. We loved it. But that was my introduction to what goes on. And I, when I went down to the dealer's room and there were no cards, but there were lots of photographs of me and my husband on our honeymoon, down visiting my father on a set of something, we were... They had pictures of me and my father on the balcony of the Chateau Marmont, taken with my camera. I have no idea how these people got hold of all of this stuff. So those were the dealers. Now I are one. <laughs> you know, Sarah, I want to bring to your attention back. I, I think it was last year uh, when this podcast was doing, you know, starting out. There's a girl that does toy reviews on YouTube and she's very popular. She's got quite a, in fact, she's got some, some more things for a million hits some of videos and she had uh i don't know somehow in one of the reviews i appeared in her back she, when she was going over what people used to buy from mail order based on the book by kirk damaris mail order mysteries and i said to my wife what am i doing in her video so whatever the reason you know fast forward um i got a hold of her we talked and stuff and i sent her a few things and, and she did a review and when she did the review that we that month of last, I think it, it went crazy with the sales. And now I sell in 1963, there was a toy company called Lowell Toy Company in Long Island. And they produced two, uh, a Frankenstein that was six feet in full color. And they produced a Dracula. Uh, and it was actually the first time it was sold through Famous Monsters of Filmland. And it appeared in the 126 issue, uh, which is the Outer Limits. I think that was the first time ever advertised, if I'm correct. Anyway. I started selling those posters and that particular month, I think I did over 68 of the Frankenstein, I think 36, 37 of the Dracula. Now Frankenstein was like the best seller, which it demands, I think like 80% of it would be women. I mean, I'm sorry, guys that buy it. And the Dracula out of all the ones that I sold, I think about 30% or more like 40% of it was females that bought the Dracula. I think, they buy the Dracula because they're fascinated with vampires over Frankenstein, which will be more a manly toy, which that's why I gravitate to Frankenstein since I was young. <laughs> now, what I was going to tell you that was interesting is when you look at those two characters, even though they, they did not have Boris or Bella, you can see it's them because it looks like them in, in the image. It's kind of them. Now, the other thing that was kind of funny with that is one time, and this was hilarious, I go to Chillard, and Sarah, you got to remember this, I had some guy sent me ten, 10 little Frankensteins. And and when I um, got the 10 Frankensteins, I go up to you and I'm thinking it's your father and stuff. And you go ahead and you sign them for me, you know? And then you go, wait a minute. You look and you go, this is not my father. This this is a Chinese knockoff. <laughs> so I still have all 10. And, and it's so funny because I have them there lined up. And, uh, you know, I always I always remember you every time I look at them because I say I will never sell them because I promise her to. And one thing I'm going to tell you, Sarah, that I remember <coughs> when you and Pat Costello, Abdon Costello's daughter, came to Jersey City in Journal Square oh, yeah. and you did the show there. I live approximately two miles from there. And I didn't know that had gone on. And after it passed, I was shocked that I, I wasn't there, you know. And I'm like, I can't believe it. I remember that now. Talking about Abbott and Costello, I don't know if you guys are aware, and this was kind of interesting, just like you said, how Sarah, how your father got the joy of um, of hearing that you were born while, you know, on the film. Uh, Costello, one day, he was going, he had a two-year-old kid, and, and you know the story, obviously. Or, or four, I don't know if it was one-year-old, I think. And he went 
to go on the radio. And he told his kid, I'm, you know, you're going to listen to daddy on the radio, whatever. So he gets a call when he's about to go on and they tell him that his, his kid had just drowned. One of the saddest things ever. And then after they did that, he went on to go on and they asked him later, how were you able to go on? And he said, because I knew my son would still be hearing me. And I thought that that was such a catching moment when I, you know, I read that and stuff. And, and it tells you, you know, how some of these actors that we grew up loving had sometimes, you know, not great lives. They had sad lives, even though that we thought that they were like the best of the best, you know. But one thing I can tell you is this. Frankenstein, I think, in 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 any genre, in any, it, they keep doing movies of it. It's probably and and the photo that your father portrayed, where he's walking in in underneath the you know the overpass, whenever he's coming out like a dungeon. I actually took that photograph and I blew it up. Uh, I think it's sixty inches wide by like seven feet tall, because I, I I really blew that up because that was my favorite image. And I had it uh, to do a trace show. I still have it rolled up somewhere, but I'm going to send you a photo of it. It's huge. It can cover your bed. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, Chuck, you've been quiet over there. You, what do you got? What do you got going on? Hey, I'm just fascinated. Just you know <laughs> what? Just to listen to Sarah. I mean, wow, it's just it's just amazing. You know what I mean? And and if we get back to the Frankenstein movies, the one thing that really stood out to me was was the laboratory. I mean, uh, the, the, the uh, you know, you know, with the flashing uh, bolt of lightning and so forth. Oh yeah. You know what? There, the uh, the one part where the lightning, where the where the coil goes up. You know what? I actually built a few of those. Those are those are Jacob ladders, and and yes. they're and they're complex to build. What you need is neon light, neon uh, sign transformer, and and you have to be careful when you build these things. But that could actually, like, if you have a cigar in your mouth or, or, oh, or like a cool. cigarette, it could actually light it when it when the when the current goes up. It's pretty cool. Well, yeah. they're they're pretty dangerous. They are. They're very dangerous. That, that's all the inventor. That's all the inventor of Nikola Tesla. That's right. That's right. Well, Chuck, I need you to build me one of those so I can light my cigars with next time. <laughs> I'd be the hit at the, the cigar lounge. Well, <laughs> Halloween night, but you got to be careful. But yeah, they are cool. Oh. Sarah, I have a question for you. Yes. You're very good friends with another person that thanks to you I met and I was fascinated with her. Vincent Price's daughter, Victoria, Victoria Price. Victoria, yeah. He is phenomenal. Both you guys are like the best of the best. Thank and, you. You know, I got to admit, you two guys are actually my favorite uh, growing up and stuff. Um, I can't say much more about that, but thank you for uh, introducing me to her. I appreciate it. She's that. a lovely human being. Go ahead, guys. So, Sarah, what's your what's your next? Are you still doing uh, conventions coming up, or do you have any lined up for the future? Well, I, you know, COVID stopped a lot, a lot of us from traveling, and a lot of conventions from being held. I think my next one will probably be Monster Palooza in April in Pasadena. That's really a good show. Uh, it's grown exponentially. Um, it's held in the Pasadena Convention Center now, but it's um, it's only been about, I would say, eight years, and it outgrew its first two venues. Um, it's family-friendly. It's got a lot of really good artists and sculptors and makeup artists. Um, but um, for two years or 18 months at least, I didn't do any shows because they just all closed. I just um, I just started back traveling in uh, this October. My first destination was beautiful downtown Minot, North Dakota. Um, my father had um, played there in repertory theater for 15 months back in 1915. And I was invited there and um, because there is a new documentary out on my father called Boris Karloff, The Man Behind the Monster. And it's it, it played in theaters around the country. And now it's streaming on Amazon Prime. Uh, and it's, it's a, it, they did a really good, good job on it. So if anybody's interested in seeing it, it is streaming on Amazon Prime now. Hmm. Um, and so they showed that in Minot and then I 
did questions and answers and talked about that. And then I went to, um, I came home and then I went, uh, flew to New Jersey and, and, um, and I was there nine, nine days, I think. And, um, was it supposed to speak at the, uh, Montclair State University, but, uh, because the tremendous rains they had, all the streets were closed and roads were flooding. So we did it um, virtually and did a Q&A following the, the documentary. And then I went to, um, oh my, Cranville or something very similar to that in New Jersey. Maybe Eddie, you know that. And they showed the film and I spoke after that. And then I went to Chiller and uh, stayed there and went to Chiller, which I've done for <laughs> 27 years, I think. And I I really enjoy doing Chiller. There's at least one of everything there, and it's very hard to tell who's in costume. That that's great. You know, it's it's always nice to see these conventions still going and people still enjoying the these classic movies and these classic uh, monsters. Now I know you have some some kids to your, of yourself, and I believe some grandchildren. Are they still do they do they enjoy these classic movies and these classic monsters? Or are they into any of this stuff as well? Um, my oldest son enjoys it, and my oldest granddaughter enjoys it. I have two boys, and I have three grandchildren. One of whom um, is in Ohio, as I said, in the second year of. Uh, residency in ophthalmology, so he doesn't really have time to um, watch many films at the moment. Um, and then I have one great grandson who is um, lives in Columbus, Ohio. He's going to be a year old. Um, I hate to say that I have a year old great grandchild, oh, yeah. but I do. <laughs> oh my God! So I have one grandson and two granddaughters and then a great grandson. Well, that's great that they, they enjoy those movies too. Cause I, I always worry, you know, as I think a, a lot of us do that, you know, these, the, the fandom for these classic movies and these classic monsters, monsters are, are dwindling down and we definitely don't want to lose any of the history. Cause you know, as a lot of the actors and actresses over the years are starting to pass away, you know, a lot of, it seems these younger generations are more interested in, you know, uh, contemporary celebrities and movies. So it, it's nice to see these, these shows still going on and, you know, newer generations still getting involved with, you know, the research history and the fandom of these movies. And it's nice to still see, you know, people like you and others, um, like Victoria oh, Price at these shows, you know, just, you know, talking with fans and a asking or answering questions because I'm sure you know it gets overwhelming at times and and it's a lot. But you know we we all definitely appreciate you know what what you guys all do for us and and, and everything that you go through for because I, I it's definitely not easy. I've I've found that these classic films of any genre are multi generational in their appeal. That's right. Um, and um, not just this particular genre, but in in most of the genres, the musicals, the um, uh, you know the big productions, they're they're multi generational, and um, it's so rewarding. And it you know I I don't like scary movies. Casting uh. me as my father's daughter, but it is so rewarding to see these youngsters uh, engaged in, well, given the world we live in, engaged in just about anything. And um, they, um, they are fully engaged in uh, several of these genres. And um, uh, it's, it's really very, I learn something every time I do a, a convention or a show. The fans know far more than I could ever le learn. And it, it goes to the word fan. Fan is fanatic. And um, 
it's a learning experience for me and a very gratifying one. Um, I and my father and my father's legacy uh, owe so much to the fans. Um, without them, I'd be home cleaning my own oven. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. That wouldn't be fun. <laughs> Hey, that was a, hey, that was a very good point, Sarah, that you brought up. That that is multi generational. You know, one classic movie is a good example, and that's The Wizard of Oz. If you oh, notice, absolutely. You, you know what? There's there's nothing in that movie that actually dates it. I think that they cut a clip out where they were doing the uh, the uh, jitterbug, if I'm not mistaken. But they decided that that, that, that would that do exactly dated. what you're saying. They would date it, so they cut it out. And you know what? And that's a film that scared me to death <laughs> and why I don't like scary movies. I was invited, you know, as a spoiled young Hollywood kid, I was invited to a private birthday party showing of that at the Beverly Hills Hotel. I've never gotten over it. <laughs> that scared me to death. I think and it's I, do, I leave the room during Murder, She Wrote. I, think it's a, I, think <laughs> I am it's the biggest that... force in the world. I think it's those winged monkeys, uh, Sarah. Those things. Oh yeah, and the witches' shoes under the bed. Are you kidding me? Oh, scared me to death. But then fairy tales are are not for children. No. No, they're not. You know, it's parents' way of scaring their children into behaving. <laughs> now, did you get? Did you have a chance to meet uh, Margaret Hamilton during any of those viewings at all, or, or during your time in Hollywood? I've met Margaret Hamilton. Yes. Okay. Yeah, because she's one of my my all time favorite actresses. So definitely would have would have liked oh, yeah. to, to have meet her. And yeah, she was she was scary in, in the Wizard of Oz. That was, <laughs> that was one that scared me when I was young yeah. as well. <laughs> It's hard to oh, believe yes. she was only nine, what she was only nineteen in the Wizard of Oz, maybe twenty. She was young. That's amazing. She was a, a fairly young uh, girl. And, uh, makeup. Yeah, makeup. Makeup. Wow. You can't. You what you have to remember, and and in Frankenstein, I, I sometimes I bring this up. The camera doesn't lie, <laughs> and that makeup had to be perfect, picture perfect, if you like a pun. Picture perfect every single day. Uh, it's amazing what the gift of makeup artist. It is. Oh, yeah, they're absolutely fantastic. And, you know, we got about four minutes left here, so we're going to go through some, some final uh, final yeah. words here. So, Sarah, we'll start with you. You got any final oh. words for us out there? Yes, thank you very much for inviting me to join you all, and it's just been a pleasure working with you. Well, thank you, and thank you for for joining us as well. This has been a, a fascinating conversation. And, uh, and brother happy Chuck, yeah, happy Thanksgiving. And brother Chuck, what's your final words out there in, in Magic Land? Oh man, this was great. You know what? It's always a pleasure coming on here, and I enjoyed uh, talking and listening to Sarah. I think she gave us a new insight to her fantastic father, and I I, I hope the legacy uh, lives on. And thank you for having me, and happy Thanksgiving, guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us and happy Thanksgiving. Eddie, final word. What's up? Well, it's been a pleasure working with all you guys, like always. And I'm fascinated to hear my little friend Sarah here, which I love to death. And she's been so phenomenal to me. <laughs> so uh, that's about it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, once again, Sarah, thank you. Thank you for joining us. And I, I hope you had as much fun as we did this was definitely uh, definitely a good time and, and learned learned a lot. You know, that's one thing I like about these classic movies and these classic actors and actresses. You know, no matter how much you think you know, there's always so much more to learn, and, and, and it just never stops. And that's one of, the, one of the best things about it. So definitely thank you for all the information and for such a good uh, conversation with us. Thank you for having me, but just ask a fan. And you'll learn more than you What <laughs> What will be great too, Sarah, is in the future, maybe you can ask one of your sons, the one that likes the genre, to be on. It would be phenomenal to have him as a guest. They like it, but they don't know much about it. <laughs> well, the, the one I know, the one in Columbus, he, he's he's got a big weekend coming up. It's the big Michigan-Ohio State game. So 
I'm, I'm sure yeah. he'll be excited for that. So, but everyone out there, uh, all, everybody out in podcast land, thank you for joining us once again. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a good review if you are enjoying what we're doing. It definitely helps us out. Also, don't forget to visit houseoftheunusual.com. We have a free forum site there. You could join, uh, meet some like-minded individuals, have some great conversation. Uh, people are always posting great pictures of their collections and everything, and it's just absolutely great time. Uh, there's also a link to the podcast on there. And also, don't forget to find this on YouTube. Just search in House of the Unusual. Subscribe to our channel. Like our videos. Eddie's, Eddie and Chuck always are putting out some great videos every week. It almost seems like daily. So there's always some great stuff on there to uh, keep you entertained. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that. Have a great night and God bless. Yes, sir. I hope until next week again. Good night. Good night. Good night. Bye. Bye.